Radio Veritas, Catholic Radio Station. It is Thursday afternoon. The programme is changing gear. Archbishop William Slattery of Swanee Pretoria with you, welcoming you, inviting you, accompanying you this afternoon as we reflect on certain aspects of our beautiful faith. Thank you for joining us and thank all the people who support Radio Veritas and who support this programme. I am delighted to be with you this afternoon. I have with me two students, seminarians, who are at St. Francis Xavier in Cape Town from Pretoria, and they are here for the first time as Radio Veritas. And I'm sure you'll keep them in your prayers as they continue on their studies. Um, it is time, of course, at this time of the year, like the schools, the seminaries are closed and seminarians are now are, are in their homes. It is also a time for growth in faith. It may not be an academic time, uh, but it is a time to experience the life, uh, the ordinary life of people. Just a few points before we hear our first piece of music. Uh, last Saturday, uh, we ordained our new deacons, Peto Matlara and also from St. Charles Luanga and Fanny Msiza from Ikangala. So we delight and welcome our two deacons. It was a beautiful ceremony attended by a huge crowd of people uh, who welcome these uh, new servants of the Lord in our archdiocese. Um, um, uh, there was a, a cloud over the occasion in this sense in that about four days before the ordination, uh, uh, Deacon M M Caesar's mother passed away. She had been ill, it's true. She will be laid to rest this Saturday from St. Bartholomew's Church in Ekangala. And we offer our sympathies and our prayers to the whole family. So we welcome then our new deacons. Again, uh, this uh, coming up now is Friday, Saturday and Sunday uh, is the retreat of the Sacred Heart uh, Sodality from all over the Archdiocese. They'll be meeting at Vordinaxi. I hope to see them on Saturday morning and celebrate Mass with them and appreciate the work they have done and also put before them the image of uh, the heart of Jesus, the love of Jesus, because uh, it is their task, it is their mission, it is their call to bring that heart of Christ and the love of Christ into homes and families, into our church communities and wherever they are in the world. So so we thank them and I'm looking forward to seeing them on Saturday. Um, again, uh, this Sunday I'll be in Salisville for confirmation. This coming week we have the uh, an Archdiocesan um, we'll say workshop or recreation, if you like, for the altar servers. Uh, the altar servers are getting together from all over the diocese, accompanied by parents and adults. Uh, Father Herman Moley uh, is the organiser. He has a committee with him. And so it's generally a very joyful week in which the young people who have served the Lord around the altar so well over the last year or number of years come together, uh, have sport together, sing together, learn about their faith together, and also uh, realise that what they do is appreciated. 
uh, this coming week uh, at St. John Vianney Seminary. On Wednesday and Thursday, the bishops from South Africa, Swaziland, Botswana, and also the uh, major religious superiors. You know, when I say religious superiors, there are famous religious congregations, maybe 120 of them, in fact, around South Africa. You know, many of them already, the Dominicans here in Radio Veritas, Jesuits, Franciscans, Benedictines, the OMIs, uh, pioneers in so much of South Africa, Salesians, you know, uh, the Missionaries of the Sacred Heart, the SMA, and so on. And then all the women's uh, provincials, that is, the superior of the women's congregations, the Mercy, the Holy Cross, and so on. They'll be all meeting at St. John Vianney Seminary to discuss the situation of the country and the life of the church and seeing what we can do together. So that's this coming week at uh, Wednesday and Thursday at St. John Vianney Seminary. Um, uh, on Tuesday of this week, uh, I met uh, every first Tuesday of the month. Uh, the priests of the Archdiocese come together at Santa Sophia and we reflect together on the spiritual aspect of our lives and also some of the pastoral situations facing us. Uh, we looked uh, at the, we uh, had a presentation from Yvonne Morgan uh, and uh, Melesse. Uh, and Mrs. Kekana, they were speaking and telling us about, you know, uh, as priests, we need to look down at the congregation on Sunday and ask ourselves, um, what, what is the life of the people sitting in front of me like? Who are these people? You know, what is the reality that they face every day? Uh, the priest must know that. He must be very close to the people. And, you know, it was interesting, uh, Ivan Morgan, the chairperson of CATCA, CATCA is a coordinating body of the Bishop's Conference, uh, bringing together um, people working in the whole medical profession in all aspects uh, for mutual help and also for outreach uh, to serve, to continue that work that the church has done for almost 200 years here in South Africa. Uh, Mrs. Morgan pointed out to us that uh, there are still 7 million people who are HIV positive in South Africa. And 19% of all young people between the ages of 19 and 49, that is one in five, are HIV positive. Again, uh, there is a tremendous increase in, in TB, tuberculosis, which is a curable disease. Um, uh, in Gauteng province, where we live here, there are almost 300,000 orphans. So this is very important for information. You know, if you're a parish priest, you are concerned for your people. You must know this, and the parish council must know this, and the people in the pews must know this, so that we can be of service to each other. Uh, lots of the younger women who have this HIV positivity uh, get it from men generally whose ages are between the years of 30 and 40. So uh, there is a real problem here. You know, 50% of people with high blood uh, are undiagnosed. Again, a huge number of those with diabetes, shukela, they are also undiagnosed. In other words, these are people who are uh, walking around and uh, suddenly they get ill, they get strokes, uh, they get amputations and so many other things. 
uh, that they're not well and a simple test would alert them and they could go and get some help. Now Mrs Kekana has a huge experience in medical work. She was supervisor for the whole province of Limpopo, taught many of our leading doctors and specialists in her life. She's now retired, living at Heart of Peaceport. She has tremendous experience in public and private care of patients and she is offering her services uh, to screen our people free. In other words, uh, we invite the priest to invite her to come and speak after Mass and invite people, especially invite uh, retired nurses and medical people, perhaps to get together and see what we can do to alleviate the uh, suffering of so many people. You know, when I look at my life, I can say I am alive today. Why? Because I got medical attention, because uh, to the church, I was able to afford it. I have buried, done many funerals. Many people who are much younger than me uh, are, are died because they did not get care. Perhaps they did not take care, but more often they did not, uh, did, did not afford care. So this is a scandal, really. And we as Catholics, because we have a tremendous tradition going back to Jesus. Jesus was a preacher of the word, but he was also a healer of the sick. And this is what the church has always done for 2,000 years. 55 of the major hospitals in this country were started by the Roman Catholic Church. So uh, it is the task of the whole Christian Catholic and Christian people indeed to respond to the situation we are fa- uh, facing. I uh, also speaking to the priest last uh, Tuesday at our general meeting was Father Gordon Rees, who is the promoter of the Pontifical Mission Societies in our countries. Um, uh, the Pontifical Missionary Societies, uh, we make a collection for them, particularly in October. They support the seminaries. They support all our parishes. You know, when I remember now over the years how many churches and schools I've built and clinics, uh, so much of that money has come from the Pontifical, that is the Pope's uh, Mission Societies. And the whole world in October, because we're all missionaries and we're all asked to uh, contribute in a concrete way to give. I mean, if you can only give a 10 cents, give 10 cents. But if you can give a thousand rand, give a thousand rand because all this money comes together, uh, it goes to Rome and it is redistributed throughout the world uh, to help the church in its, in its, in its, in its, in its mission. Uh, these are some of the activities that have taken place uh, 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 during the week. As I say, on this Sunday, I'll be at Salisville for confirmation. Uh, now and again, when I get a chance, especially in the afternoon or at night, I look at the sports on TV. And at the moment, and running for three weeks, at, uh, is the, the greatest bicycle race in the world, the Tour de France, which is a tour right around the great and ancient Catholic country of France. And apart from the racing and the sports side of it, you know, you're able to follow the cyclists through the beautiful land of France. You see magnificent buildings. But I'm always so struck by how many, many, many absolutely magnificently beautiful churches there are over over France. And the commentators generally make some uh, explanation of these churches. I was looking at Saint-Étienne, which is a church which is absolutely magnificent, going back to the 11th century when they start building there. That is over a thousand, a thousand years ago. And so looking at France, you're seeing the historicity of the Catholic Church, how old we are, all these beautiful churches. When you think of the faith 
fate of the people that built these churches. Some of them took 200 years to build. Remember, there was no cement. There was no modern materials for building which make it easy today. They had to do this by hand, day by day, labor. Imagine bringing up stones to the top of huge cathedrals. All this had to be done. The carvings, the paintings, the windows, the ornamentation, all built around our faith. So when I look at the Tour de France, I see the tremendous wealth and of culture of the Roman Catholic Church. And uh, when you think about it, when you see all these churches, these churches were the meeting places for the people. Most of these people lived in small villages, towns, and especially in rural areas. It was the church that gathered them together. We must never forget that. The role of the church in human life has been enormous, bringing people together every Sunday, Saturday, and for very wonderful feasts and special occasions right throughout the year, forming society, forming culture, forming nations. This is the work of the church. And so uh, today in the program, I hope to speak about next Sunday's gospel. I want to speak also about, I want to look at the commandments now, the great Decalogue, uh, the Ten Commandments. I'll be looking at the first commandment today. We'll also look a little bit at the saint of today, Saint Maria Goretti. And if we have time, I'll say a few words to the, those heroes in our parishes, in other words, our catechists, uh, to encourage them halfway through the year not to let their shoulders sag, but to keep going with confidence. We listen now to the first uh, piece of music, the Drakensberg Boys Choir singing, Come, now is the time to worship. Welcome back here with Radio Veritas. Good afternoon. It is 23 minutes, almost 24 minutes after four. Uh, Drive safely at home. Uh, relax and spend some time now together listening about our faith. Um, this coming Sunday is the 14th Sunday of the year. And uh, I generally make uh, some short commentary on the gospel of this coming Sunday. And this Sunday it is Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30, a famous passage in St. Matthew's gospel. Uh, it sounds more like St. John, this passage, but here it is in the heart of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 25. Uh, I'll read, it's a short text. Jesus exclaimed, I bless you, Father, Lord of heaven and of earth, for hiding these things from the learned and the clever and revealing them to mere children. Yes, Father, for that is what it pleased you to do. Everything has been entrusted to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, just as no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are overburdened, and I will give you rest. Shoulder my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Yes, my yoke is easy, and my burden light. So that's the gospel now, dear people, for this coming Sunday. And we started, it started off with Jesus exclaiming that the word really means that Jesus is filled with a confidence and a joy. Uh, it indicates the joy of Jesus. Now, this passage comes 
just fairly soon after Jesus had sent out his disciples. All chapter 10, he had been preparing them and sending them on a mission. They were to go out into the world. They were to preach and prepare and announce the coming of the kingdom of God, to repent and to know that God was very close to people and that he loved them. And so Jesus now sees the joy of the apostles as they begin to meet success, as it were. or Their word seems to echo in people's hearts and bring hope and joy to the poor villages around the Sea of Galilee. There were hundreds of villages, and these people were very, very neglected spiritually, politically, uh, physically, and in every way. And so Jesus exclaims with joy. It indicates the joy of Jesus. The disciples were sent out, they are happy. The little ones uh, out in the villages are catching fire. They're believing. I often wonder why, you know, so often, uh, for example, when we read about the apparitions of Mary, so often they are to children up in Rwanda, also, uh, you know, in Fatima this year in Portugal, the wonderful shrine of Fatima in Portugal, St. Jacinta, St. Francesco and Lucia. These little children, the eldest was 10, the others were 8 and 7. Uh, it was to them that the angel and then Mary, mother of the rosary, appeared to them and left her message uh, for the whole world to little children. One often asks oneself, you know, because uh, Jesus said here too, I bless you, Father, uh, for hiding these things from the learned and the clever and revealing them to mere children. So I say, why children? Why little ones? Well, I suppose God and everybody else too can talk more easily to the hearts of little children. There's no filter. There are no shades. Uh, you know, what you say and go straight to the heart of the little children. They don't ask, what's in this for me? Or why has God picked me? They just simply listen to the message they are themselves. Again, you know, it was to the poor fishermen around the Lake of Galilee, Peter and company, and not to the temple authorities that Jesus uh, went. Um, so I suppose as well, little children, poor people, simple people are, are less selfish, actually. They are sort of transparent channels. You know, what is said to them is what they will say out to the world. There's less interpretation. They don't start interpreting and, as it were, explaining things to us. No, they simply uh, tell us what exactly happened, what they saw, what they heard, like at Fatima. And you remember the little girl Jacinta when she was just seven. Here she is in the police station. Uh, she is um, by herself. The other two are pushed out of the office. And she is told that she'll be thrown into uh, a, a pot of boiling oil if she doesn't admit that she is telling lies, uh, meaning that she must say that she has not seen Mary uh, in Fatima. But the little girl perseveres. No, this is truth. This has happened. I saw Mary and that, is, and so she persevered. So children too have a simplicity and a trust. Not so much childish but childlike. And maybe that's why it is to them so often. Bernadette also was a young girl when Mary appeared to her in Lourdes. Um, and so children are uh, 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 they, they look honestly at things. Uh, they are free from selfishness and uh, they see what is the truth. Now, 
Jesus then, or in his sermon today, goes on like to say that God has revealed these to simple people. And these are, in a sense, straightforward, simple things. Because actually, our road to holiness is through doing little things well. You know, the great saint of this is St. Therese, Therese of Lisieux. St. Therese, she died at the age of 24. Uh, she had uh, never, as it were, preached a sermon or almost taught a catechism class. She lived in a enclosed monastery. And she felt sometimes the desire to do great things for God. She says, but I cannot be a priest. I cannot be a missionary to go to the end of the world. I cannot be a martyr. I cannot be a prophet. I cannot be a teacher. I cannot be an administrator. In fact, I am not good at administration. I'm just a simple young nun in a monastery in the north of France. But then she made up her mind, but I can look what how I can respond to God's love is every little thing that I do, I will do it with great care. You know, to give a smile, to forgive a person, to help a well in need, uh, to take the last place, to take the simplest food, to take the smallest room, all the time to be of service to the community out of love. And in that way to show God, to do ever, the little things perfectly for God. And that is what God is asking for us. And this is consoling too. Many people who are listening to this program perhaps are not able to work as they used to work in the past. They're getting old. Uh, they don't have health anymore. They don't have the opportunity to go out and do things that they would like to do for, for their neighbours and for God. But what you can do, you know, where you are, the life that you face every day, do that as best you can. And in that way, really and truly, uh, doing these simple things well will bring you very close to God and bring great glory to God. So St. Therese then uh, teaches us, you know, become a saint where you are. I know your situation is not perfect. I know you would like to be someplace else. You would do great things if only if this or if that. Forget all about that to a certain extent. However, keep the desire to love God. Keep the desire to please Jesus. Keep the desire to do everything for him. And do those little things that you can do each day. Uh, bear that suffering that you have to bear each day. Uh, you know, visit, talk, uh, uh, console people, forgive people. All that. Uh, these are the little things that can do marvelous uh, things for God. So you may be old or sick. Uh, but take those little opportunities and that you can do for God. There is a, a lovely poem uh, by, by Yeats and it speaks about uh, how this, um, uh, it, it gives a story of three brothers uh, or, or, or at least a one family, uh, two brothers and a cousin, three, three men. And one of them is a priest and the other uh, is uh, the two of two two of them are priests, and the other one is a man who plays music. He plays the fiddle, and that's his whole life playing the fiddle, giving joy to people. And this man, the fiddler, is uh, speaking in the poem, and he is saying, "You know, uh, it's true. I'm not doing what my brothers, the priests, are doing, uh, whom everybody sees in the churches and so on. But I play the music for the people, and I think God will be very happy with me. He will actually open the door of heaven for me first." Here is how the poem goes. Goes. It's very, very nice by uh, Butler Yeats. It says, "When I play on my fiddle in Dooney." 
Folk dance like a wave of the sea. My cousin is priest in Kilvarnet, my brother in Murkalawee. I passed my brother and cousin. They read in their books of prayer. I read in my book of songs I bought at the Sligo Fair. When we come at the end of time to Peter sitting in state, he will smile on the three old spirits, but call me first through the gate. For the good are always merry, save by an evil chance, and the merry love the fiddle, and the merry love to dance. And when the folk there spy me, they will all come up to me with, Here is the fiddler of Dooney, and dance like a wave of the sea. So here is the old fiddler. Uh, he is very confident because he cannot do things maybe that his brothers and cousins, the priests, are doing, but he can play his fiddle and bring great joy to people. Um, so uh, we, we have just looked at that. Jesus is filled with joy. And secondly, uh, he is, says it's the little ones who understand his message uh, best of all. And then he goes on to make a very profound statement. He says, everything has been entrusted to me by my father. This is an unbelievable statement. Everything, Jesus said, has been entrusted to me by God, by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, just as no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Of course, you remember in John's Gospel, Jesus said, The Father and I are one. And answering a question from Philip, he says, uh, To see me, Philip, is to see the Father. And so, um, it, it, this is what God has done for us. You know, we cannot grasp. I mean, look at the universe, the world in which we live. It's enormous. It's endless. It's timeless. It is a world It's beyond our imagination. You know, there's a hundred million stars, suns, a hundred million suns in our galaxy. And there are hundreds of millions of galaxies. You know, you, we cannot possibly, uh, we measure distances here in light years, how far uh, light travels in a year. That's how we measure distances in the universe. You know, light, what is it, travels 186 uh, miles uh, a second. And so you have to multiply that to see how far light would travel in a minute, 60 seconds in a minute, 60, 186 thousands. And then there are, what, 60 minutes in the, an hour and 24 hours in the, uh, in the day and 365 days in the year. So multiply all them together. They get the distance light will travel in one year. And the nearest star to us is four light years away. Now, uh, there are billions and trillions of stars. And how can we, in a sense, grasp the God who is the creator of those? And so God bent down to us and he's contained in a manger, a little manger where donkeys and cows are fed. He becomes a little child in Jesus. So uh, to understand God, Jesus is telling us simply look at him because in Jesus we can see God. Then it goes on to say, Come to me, all you who labor and are overburdened, and I will give you rest. So uh, Jesus is inviting us to come to him because uh, he will give us rest. And we are overburdened. Many of you, I'm sure, listening to this program, you are overburdened. You have so many things on your mind. 
you know, I don't know how your day has gone, how your week has gone. And then we're all worried or unsure about the future, you know, the family, personal, work, finance, housing, relationships. It's endless, all the possibilities for being burdened that we have. And you have those. And really and truly, the church and our, the Christian community must reach out to each other in that way. Because um, Jesus really wants us to find joy. You know, Pope Francis, speaking about uh, Jesus, says this, The gospel is radiant, radiant, bright, with the glory of Christ's cross, constantly invites us to, the gospel invites us to rejoice. He gives a few examples. Rejoice is the angel's greeting to Mary. You know, when the angel came to Mary in Nazareth to be the mother of Jesus, rejoice, the angel said, Luke chapter 1. Mary's visit to Elizabeth makes John the Baptist leap for joy in his mother's womb, Luke chapter 1. In her song of praise, Mary proclaims, My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. And then when Jesus begins his ministry, John cries out, John the Baptist, For this reason my joy has been fulfilled in John chapter 3. Jesus himself rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, Luke chapter 10. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. His message brings us joy. Jesus said, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and uh, that your joy may be complete, John 15. Our Christian joy drinks of his brimming heart. He promises his disciples, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy, John 16. He then goes on to say, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. John 16:22 The disciples rejoiced at the sight of the risen Christ in the acts of the apostles who read that the first christians ate their food with glad and generous hearts chapter 2 whenever the disciples went there was great joy uh, we read chapter 8 verse 8 even amid persecution they continued to be filled with joy Acts 13, the newly baptized eunuch went on his way rejoicing, while Paul's jailer and his entire household rejoiced that he'd become a believer in God. Why should we not also enter into this great stream of joy? So it is this Jesus uh, who says to us, the Jesus who brings joy into the world. Remember when he was born in Bethlehem, the joy of the angels singing, the joy of the shepherds, the joy of Mary and Joseph. So Jesus' wish for you is that you have joy. Do not fear. Do not be worried. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are overburdened, and I will give you rest. And in a special way, you know, he is really concerned. You know, shoulder my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus, therefore, is really concerned for people who are burdened and for the poor. Uh, in Pope Francis speaking about this, he says, God's heart has a special place for the poor, so much so that he himself became poor. The entire history of our redemption is marked by the presence of the poor. Salvation came to us from the yes, uttered by a lowly girl from a small town on the fringes of a great empire, Mary of Nazareth. The Saviour was born in a manger, 
uh, in the midst of animals, like children of poor families. He was presented in the temple along with two turtle doves, the offering made by those who could not afford a lamb. He was raised in a home of ordinary workers and worked with his own hands to earn his bread. When he began to preach the kingdom, crowds of the dispossessed followed him, illustrating his words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He assured those burdened by sorrow and crushed by poverty that God has a special place for them in his heart. Blessed are you poor, yours is the kingdom of heaven. And he made himself one of them. I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. And he taught them that mercy towards all of these is the key to heaven in Matthew chapter 25. So Jesus then is inviting us in this gospel this Sunday, you know, we who are poor and who are burdened, you know, to be humble, to come to him, to stand before him, uh, showing him our need, our sinfulness, our need for mercy, our need for consolation, our need for wisdom, our need for grace, our need for salvation. Come uh, to Jesus because he has, a, he has a special place in our hearts. And when you think that 150,000 jobs have been lost over the last year in South Africa, you can see how much people are burdened. So let us at least pray for each other and let us come to the Lord and let him ask him to make the uh, the wealth of this country available for all. Let us listen now to the next uh, hymn from Itemba Lama Catolica and it is Banda Ntusi. Praise him, church.